John, I can't tell you how excited I am about the Cinephile's new sponsor, an absolutely incredible game, Marvel Strike Force. Now, anyone who's listened to the show knows that I've been reading comic books since I was five years old, and this is like a comic book fan's dream come true. You could create a mobile squad and play as your favorite Marvel characters. I mean, everyone is there. The Punisher, Vision, Black Panther, Cap, or even my favorite Marvel character of all time, Daredevil. Your goal is to power up those characters, unlock gear, and use them to compete in player versus player mode, alliance mode, and real-time arena. Yes, Stephen, as we speak, they are enjoying their six-year anniversary. Six years, wow. And you know what that means? Free stuff just for signing up via their unique link in the description. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. If you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. Completing every single mission throughout the entire anniversary will result in an even more special reward. Make sure to log in each day and each week to take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out, y'all. Check out that unique promo code, and for every new user, please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. Once again, thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force. We're very, very excited to have you sponsoring this episode. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Hi, this is Steve. When we schedule an episode, John and I usually have a pretty good idea of how long we're going to talk. Certainly for films like Patton, Ben-Hur, or Lawrence of Arabia, we knew there was no way we could fit the movie into one episode. Still, with light comedies, fast-paced action films, or a 90-minute slasher movie, we figure one episode will be plenty. So, when it was time to schedule our discussion on Major League, directed by David S. Ward and starring a fantastic ensemble including Tom Berenger, Charlie Sheen, Wesley Snipes, and Rene Russo in her first film, we were pretty sure we could knock it out in well under two hours. However, what we didn't count on was how much fun we were going to have talking to our very special guest, writer, director, and producer, Kay Cannon. We blew past two hours and were well over three by the time our guys finally scored the last run against their bitter enemies, the Yankees. Now, this was a fantastic conversation, but if you really want to get all the jokes, you should probably check out this movie first by running the bases to cinephiles.net, where you can buy or stream Major League along with every other movie we've ever reviewed. And if you happen to support the show on patreon.com slash the cinephiles, right now you could be listening to a discussion inspired by our recent review of Patton on the greatest World War II movies ever made. So, that's a discussion of World War II films on Patreon and part two of Major League with special guest Kay Cannon this Friday 
on the cinephiles. Let's cut through the crap, Vaughn. I only got one thing to say to you. Strike this motherfucker out! Hello and welcome back to The Cinephiles, where we continue our exploration of Major League with special guest Kay Cannon. When we left, the team was having trouble both on and off the field. Serrano still couldn't hit a curveball. Willie Mays Hayes was getting picked off at first. The love of Jake's life was marrying someone else. And wild thing, Ricky Vaughn is about to get sent down to the minors. Now a lot of pitchers started off wild. And after they worked it out in the minors for a while, they went on to great careers. Take Ryan there. And he's pointing to a picture, which I think is not of Nolan Ryan, but is supposed to be of Nolan Ryan. Yeah. And Vaughn squints, long pause. What about him? Never mind, Ryan. And then he grabs a yellow legal pad, writes something down, and says, read these letters. And again, a squint. Cut to the horrible glasses. They look good. Besides, seeing's the most important thing, son. I don't think it's that important. It's funny. I totally agree that this doesn't make any sense. And yet, it's totally, yeah, it totally works. By the way, I love how we have to accept this the first time he's ever seen uh, Vaughn squint in the entire season. <laughs> He's just in the office for the first time. Well, because his vision is really bad. It's yeah. not just a little bad. It's like going to be halfway through the How season. How is he walking straight? <laughs> not, like running into people. They're alone. Uh, Harris is alone in the locker room, sees the rum shot in front of Joe Boo, and he says, Up your butt, Joe Boo. <laughs> Takes the shot, walks out of the dugout, is immediately hit in the head with a baseball. <laughs> Bartender, Joe Boo's light. Boom. Two down, a man on first, and the Indians clinging to a one-run lead. Ricky Vaughn, the kid they call Wild Thing, one out away from his first Major League victory. Slow curve. Here's a swing and a bouncing ball. Doran has a chance to make the play. He can't get it. Clark digging around second. He'll make it to third easily. And the A's have runners at the corners. And and one of the things about this, again, this is the weird things. It's like uh, Wesley Snipes having to do all the pop-ups, is that... You have to make that ball just far away from him that he has to reach, but not so far that it's an impossible uh, thing to do. And he has to miss exactly the right amount. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure, Kay, you've done lots of stuff where you had to have a thing drop into frame or something bounce through frame or something like that. And you have to do it 17 times mm-hmm. to get it to do exactly what you want it to do. It, mm-hmm. it It's little things in filmmaking, but they take a lot of time. I mean, I think he probably just let the camera roll and you just nonstop. Yeah. Yep. And one of them will be the good one. Fucking Dorn. This game should be over by now. He could have had that ball. He tanked it on purpose. And Jake's response, which is a great setup for what's going to happen later, is... This isn't the California Penal League, Vaughn. We're professionals here. We don't tank plays for personal reasons, so cut the crybaby shit. You think you can throw a strike on this pitch? There's not going to be much on it. My arm feels like jello right now. By the way, one thing that's interesting is they had to worry about Charlie Sheen's arm because he would throw 120, 150 pitches, which is a lot. And he was starting to, they had to maintain it just like you'd have to Mm -hmm. for a baseball season. Just get it over the plate. I want him to swing. Last time I did that, the guy hit one that hasn't landed yet. Don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. 27. And basically Jake goes back to the batter and messes with his head. By the way, I saw your wife at the free lounge last night. Hell of a dancer. You must be very, very proud. That guy she was with? I mean, I'm sure he's a close personal friend and all, but tell me, what was he doing wearing her panties on his head? Swung on and popped up. Uh Uh-oh, Rexy, I don't think this one's got the distance. 
That right there is what we call some 80s dialogue. <laughs> true. Very true. And this ballgame is over as the Indians hold out yeah. for a 3-2 victory. Starting to come together, Pepper. Starting to come together. So this is the turning point, I think. Yeah. yeah. Vaughn's got the glasses. We've actually seen them win a game. And we cut to this big mansion, and Jake pulls up in a shitty car, and we meet hmm. we, we meet Roger Dorn's wife, and she says, oh, he says, can I talk to Roger? She says, yeah, he's in the solarium. <laughs> um, she's great, by the way. Like, she's like a, I think, uh, like, a, again, like the, one of those characters you might look over, but really, like, the way she plays it, the, that, oh, the yeah. tightness of her curl of her hair <laughs> was, like, just everything about her I thought was really, like, one of those you know, you might just minimize or forget, but I actually think she played it really, really well. Yeah, I, I think so too. And particularly because she has to do sort of two different things. Her yeah. name is Stacy Carroll, by the way. Mm-hmm. And I looked at her, uh, she hasn't done that much. I think she's a local Chicago actress. Mm. And she hasn't done a ton of stuff, but for what she does in this movie, she's just awesome. Yeah. Um, I think uh, it's a great example of like how you had all these great performers and these great actors and there just wasn't parts for these ladies, you know, mm-hmm. like to, to have like a big full career uh, where you could see what they're doing, you know. So Jake goes to talk to Dorn. You know, what I was concerned about was uh, why you didn't come up with that grounder that Riker hit in the ninth. It was out of my reach. What do you want me to do, die for it? Could have meant the game. Oh, come on. Cut the rah-rah shit, Taylor. You're after this, I go free agent. Plus my agent and I got a couple of plans for life after baseball. So I'm not about to risk major injury. Or to face this property for a collection of stiffs. You see, if Lynn saw this scene, then she would know that Jake has changed. Now, you listen to me. This is my last shot at a winner. And for the younger guys, it could be their only shot. I don't know what happened to you. But if you ever, ever tank another play like you did today, I'm going to cut your nuts off and stuff them down your fucking throat. I mean, this is him being a team leader in a. Pre- yep. And I love, by the way, that his wife has walked in just to hear that last line of the scene. And I, I would venture it's probably not the first time that she'd seen someone cuss out her husband. I, I would put money. <laughs> I on agree. It. Yeah. Well, I think she knows who her husband is. Oh yeah. And she's chosen to be with this person. And when he goes out of line to the degree that he's going to later in the movie, she ma- she takes proper steps to make a correction. Hey, in case you haven't noticed, and judging by the attendance, you haven't, the Indians have managed to win a few here and there and are threatening to climb out of the cellar. Now we're back at a bar, and a hot woman walks up to Vaughn and says, Wilton, you make my heart <laughs> And that is David Ward's assistant. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Okay. Which is sort of weird, giving your assistant a, that part. It mm. seems odd. And now we go to another montage with our Cleveland guys where they say, You know, these guys ain't so fucking bad. And back to our groundskeepers, they're still shitty. <laughs> By the way, you haven't mentioned this, but the guy who, the uh, uh, taller dude who's like out there working or whatever, that's the, di- that, that's the dad from the middle. And in Scrubs, he's the janitor. Or, yeah, Neil Flynn, yeah, the custodial yeah. engineer. That's him. I did not know that. Big it's his Chicago first movie. Mm. Oh, yeah? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's his first film. Yeah, um, I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you my quick thought. I had it at this moment. Is, so I'm I'm rereading the book by Carol Dweck, which is called Mindset, which is all about growth 
and fixed mindsets. The idea that if you think of your skill level as something fixed, that that leads you to not improve in life as opposed to thinking of intelligence and skill levels as something you can improve with practice. And one of the big examples she uses in her book is Billy Bean and Moneyball. Oh, yeah. Is that the idea of not taking the players that are the big stars without the natural talent, but taking the players that are the less expensive ones, but have the right attitude and have the right set of skill sets to work together and have the ability to improve. And I'm like, that's major league. You know, that is literally what we're watching happening. A whole bunch of players who don't look that good, but are the right players to play together and have a growth mindset. Yeah. Major league deep movie. <laughs> We're in the locker room. Lou is ready for a nice soak in the whirlpool. That doesn't work. Harris comes out. There's no hot water. I've had it with this nickel and dime stuff. I'm going to get that bitch on the phone. And speaking of that bitch, she's walked into the locker room and Lou is naked. <laughs> you wanted to talk to the bitch? Yeah. Don't you think you ought to cover yourself with a towel first, Mr. Brown? We're out of towel. I'm too old to go diving in a locker. Which is what uh, Corbin Burnson does uh, with a nice shot of his ass. And they basically have it out right there. And she walks through the room. She plays with Wesley Snipes' hair. She hits Vaughn on the cup. Mm -hmm. Slaps Serrano's ass. (laughs) And basically says, Your players will just have to get a little tougher. What are they? A bunch of pansies. (laughs) (laughs) Some stuff. Um, I love the flick off, the universe, the union flick off, all of them doing it at once. It's, it's so great. funny. There are a couple of moments in the movies which I feel like are almost too far, but are yeah, perfect. Yeah, it's like pretty broad, but you kind of accept them. Yeah, yeah like yeah. everyone's standing up in the library when she when uh, Lynn says the line. There's the little dance move the players do later on that are just mm-hmm. a little, but I love them. I totally love them. We cut to Jake in the whirlpool with an outboard motor. <laughs> this seems this doesn't seem dangerous at all. <laughs> it seems like a terrible plan. <laughs> Um, uh, oh, uh, man. <laughs> but we continue to win. And at the end of the next game, there's Lynn in the stands in her sort of Glenn Close, the natural moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and he runs out after her, still in his leg guards, ask a security guy for the a car. And he says, Oh, yeah, take the bullpen car. And this is where we hear that cue, that music cue, even more powerful. What music cue was that? I forgot. Uh, most, most of all, you from Bill, Bill Medley, yeah. Um, um, uh, uh, another lesson in that song, uh, Steve. Do you what, need? What's that? Not now. Not now. Director, you tell me. I might need the whole song, but then we get to the end. There's a lot of teasing going on. <laughs> it's not a possibility. It's a possibility. Um, and uh, I don't know quite how he. F- finds her car and follows her in a golf cart <laughs> but he does in cleveland yeah in cleveland uh she gets to her apartment she walks inside she flops down and he walks right in because apparently again no locks hair we want them together yeah. she's some rich guy um she's not gonna be happy i love the moment that she says you gotta open your stance a little they're pitching you inside i'll try that i, lo- I think that's a great moment between them um, can, I, can I give a little thing here? Yes. This right here, you know the movie trivia Shmodown thing I do? My girlfriend has become invested in it, and she has those same kind of lines 
when I talk about a match. So you should have calmed down here. You should have done this. You know what? Next time, pick this slice. Like, so like it's, it, it's kind of soothing to know that someone's on your side who's looking at the game a little bit differently and knows the game. So when she has that line, I love it every time because it proves that she's an intelligent woman and she knows this game and knows what he does best. And so immediately she's got the right tips to kind of, uh, you know, make him even better. Well, Which she's what an- she did in life. Yeah. She made him better every time. He just was too stupid to see it before. In that one line, it tells us she's still in. You know, yeah. Like oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. And I think it connects to we didn't have anything in common. What are you talking about? We're both athletes, both world class. Mm. Right. Like this is their in common. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. She can't communicate with lawyer guy about sports and about being an athlete, but she can communicate with him. You know, she and she's moving because she's going to move in with the other guy. She says, I just want to lead a regular life like an adult. You think I can't lead a regular life? Do you like the life you've had? You like hanging out with the boys, living in hotels, having girls send you their underwear in the mail. Remember the surprise party I threw for you on your birthday? You never showed up, but the doorbell rang once and we all got real quiet and hid behind the furniture. It was a guy to serve you with a paternity suit. That was a hoax. The girl was looking for some publicity. Yeah, but you'd obviously been with her. And it happened in front of all of our friends. These are at least three stories we've heard of him having affairs. Um, These are big things. And then he says this. He says, I guess this is our last hurrah then. Yeah. I guess so. Saying this is our last raw, do they know they're about to have sex at this moment? Yeah. I, I would say yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You ever been, you ne- you never been in a... They were married. Like they, no, they weren't. They no, just, they were not married. Did they say that was my wife? No, she, she says she would have been if I hadn't blown it. Yeah. Oh. Right. In his mind, she's always been his oh, wife. Right, 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 right. right, right. right. Um, but you never been in an on and off again relationship? That's dude. How I've been with the same girl since 1991. <laughs> All right, well, <laughs> two years uh, after this movie came out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, as as a guy who's you know had those occasional on and off again relationships, that's how it is. You get that moment where you both know it's going to happen, and you go through the little exchange of words to get there, and that's basically what's happening in this scene which is so great to watch and they're great chemistry by the way great chemistry between Berenger and Russo right yeah. throughout do you ever read Moby Dick cover to cover babe cover, cover all, all 32 pages of it <laughs> <laughs> when's the wedding October 3rd uh, there was they shot a whole wedding scene that he came to bust up that they what? cut out of the movie yeah okay let me ask you this you know growing up you watch these movies you heard about cut scenes and things like, as a director now when they mean the scene was cut, do you ever like quietly save it for yourself to maybe 10 years down the road, put it on a DVD or Blu-ray? Or is that always the studio's decision? No, you can like, I, I decided uh, which DVD uh, cut scenes to, or what cut scenes to put on the DVD for blockers. Mm-hmm. But like you, you really do. By the time you've like said like, this is the movie I'm letting everybody see. This is the released movie. Yeah. You've made your peace with all those scenes. Like there, there's a reason why they didn't, they're not in the movie. Right. And so there are, there's probably very few scenes that I look back and go, I don't even know, you know, maybe one or two where I'm like, ah, I, you know, like you don't, you don't really question it. And then right. for blockers, like my first cut was like two and a half hours long. So there was, a, there was like a whole storyline that um, got cut out. Have but, you ever kept that cut or had you just kind of just, just got no, rid of no, it? No, no, no. You just kind of like, whatever. Like wow. it's a, 
Okay. Yeah. Like you really, you kind of, you do, it's like part of the process, mm-hmm. but I, and I think like sometimes, Oh, not sometimes often you get notes from the studio. If you're making a studio movie, especially, um, where you do it for them, but in your mind, you're like, I'm never going to use this. <laughs> like, this is not what the movie was about. Very quickly, I'll tell you, for Pitch Perfect, Jason Moore directed that movie, and he's a theater director who was really awesome about uh, the writer. Like, he really respects writers, so, like, he wanted me right there by his side, you know, and That's I was great. writing on 30 Rock at the time, so I we had to do, like, a lot of, like, Skyping and stuff, but he... Um, I had to write, like, they re- really wanted there to be this, like, romance to the movie mm-hmm. um, where there was, like, a, a love triangle mm-hmm. between, like, the station manager, Luke, and then Becca and Jesse. Oh, so right. So shot, like, four scenes. Like, I remember Jason being like, we just have to do it. We have to do it for the studio. But I, And I remember writing them and going, like, you're going to shoot them and you're going to put all these resources into it. This is an acapella movie, plain and simple. Ragtag mm-hmm. group of gals who win a championship. Mm-hmm. It's not about the romance, but because it was a movie that hadn't really been done before with all women in a kind of a weird, strange subculture of a world, they were like, we need to have this romance to sell this movie. Hmm. So we shot all these like scenes in a club and scenes in a whole thing, whatever. And of course they didn't use one scene, not wow. one scene. Wow. So, you know, like, but it's like probably a couple of days worth of shooting, which is right. money and time. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I, I wouldn't compare my experience to yours at all, Kay, because you've done so much more of this stuff. But in my experience, once you make the decision that the cut is right, it's really easy. Like, it's like, oh, the movie's better without that thing. Yeah. Even if it was a thing that I really loved. And sometimes it's like a, a line I really like. Once it's like, mm. once you see the movie play without the thing, it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I, and I, you know, I do a lot of tests. You know, I, you do a lot of tests, yeah. screen, like screen tests and stuff like that and audience, test audiences. And like, there are things that I, I shot just because I'm like a yes and person. Mm. And it's like, okay, let me just see if I have these options. But in my mind, I was like, this thing isn't going to work at all. And then stuff that I could have sworn was going to work. And then you put it in front of a test audience. One In blockers, there was one thing that I did not think was ever going to work. And it got, it gets like one of the biggest laughs in the movie. <laughs> and so I had to like, I was like, okay, I guess I'm keeping that in. And then this thing that I was in love with didn't work at all. And then you're like, all right, I guess I got to let that go. <laughs> it, 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 it's yeah. so, it's so obvious in a screening because you can feel, Oh, they're in, mm. they're in. Oh yeah. no, they're out. They're out. That didn't, you know, right. you're waiting for a laugh. And it's like, Oh, there was no laugh there that it's, you know, yeah. like it's, it's really clear. Um, so, but Major League had an alternative ending, right? Is that the it alternative? Is. Yes. Yeah. We will, yeah. We will definitely get to that because yeah. it is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Um, <laughs> we will get to it. Yeah. Well, so at the end, they, they start making out, and that we get the last, the last important question she has to ask before they can consummate this attraction is: Who saved Ishmael at the end? Huh? Uh, nobody. It was Quequeg's uh, cop. Quequeg's coffin. Yeah, <laughs> to come up with it. It's a good thing the classic comic had that. Um, Maybe you just have to accept the fact they're not as bad as you hope. I don't have to accept anything. Attendance is only just beginning to rise. We can force a losing streak. We can still turn this thing around. What's left to do? You've taken away everything you can. Not everything. Now they're on a bus. <laughs> <laughs> Trading classic comics, throwing them back and forth. By the way, as a comic book collector, those look like old issues of classic comics. I don't mm-hmm. know how mo- valuable they were, but I didn't like the way they were throwing them around. <laughs> Wild Thing Vaughn roughed up in his only other appearance against the Yankees. In a little jam here, he fanned Burton to open the inning. Walked Saslow, gave up a double to Billy Left. 
which will bring up Haywood, who leads the league in most offensive categories, including nose hair. <laughs> when this guy sneezes, he looks like a party favor. Haywood's a convicted felon, isn't he, Monty? Uh, doesn't really say it here. Well, he should be. Well, he should be. <laughs> and then he crushes one towards South America. You're going to need a visa to catch that one. <laughs> By the way, this movie is the first time I noticed that there was something in the trailer that was not in the movie. Oh, yeah. And that is, there's a scene where I think they're sitting in a bar and they're trying to console Vaughn and Jake says, That ball wouldn't have been out of a lot of parks. Name one. Yellowstone. <laughs> <laughs> and I just so was like, I thought that was such a funny line in the commercial and not in the movie. And then Charlie shows up and he tells Lou what's going on. The veterans are starting to play back to form and the rookies are developing faster than I thought. There's two or three potential all-stars in there. I think we're a contender right now. All we need is something to bring it all together. Rachel Phelps will never allow that to happen. And we cut to the locker room and Lou makes a big speech and then he explains the plot to them. After this season, you'll be sent back to the minors or given your outright release. Well, then I guess there's only one thing left to do. What's that? Win the whole fucking thing. Berenger loves that. Berenger owns fucking. Like, it's a good word. <laughs> it just flows so easily out of his mouth. It's a really good word, John. It can be. If you know how to use it, it can be. Yeah. Fuck if yes. You, if you don't know how to use it, it comes across like, hmm. But Berenger does a really good job with it. And now we unveil the cutout of our boss. I figure it's going to take 32 more victories to win this thing. Every time we win, we peel a section. This is so in classic underdog stories. It's Animal House, it's Caddyshack, it's, you know, whatever, name one that you like. And now we go into... The transitional montage. Doran is making body sacrifices, has all these bruises. We have batting practice. Jake is hitting. Uh, we see Wesley Snipes steal home with a really scary, like, the way that all happens in mid-play. They win five straight. And we, you know, we see things building. The crowds are building. You you mentioned it before, Kay, but now we finally get the American Express commercial, <laughs> which is awesome. Hello. You know us. We're a Major League Baseball team. But since we haven't won a pennant in over 30 years, nobody recognizes us. And every character is great. No matter how far out of first we are, it's cool. You know, it keeps us from getting shut out at our favorite hotels and restaurant type places. <laughs> They're all really funny, including Dorn, who thinks he has a future in broadcasting, who can't speak to camera at all. He's terrible. <laughs> Look what it's done for us. People still don't recognize us, but... We're contenders now. And I live. I love the Willie Mays Hayes slide in at the end. The American Express card. Don't steal home without it. Yeah, that's fantastic. Perfect. Apparently, they didn't know if they would get the rights to do this until the night before they shot it. Wow. American Express was just on the fence. Of course. And we see them taking off. Uh, yes. Yeah. And we see them yeah. taking off little articles of clothing. And, and it is, uh, even when I was a teenager, I remembered thinking that I wasn't cool with it like oh. that i i i had that like like i get it she was the villain she was putting them in this position it was bad whatever there was something about that with a bunch of guys looking at a naked you know like more naked lady right i felt well i felt like it was like an adult thing that i was mm. like maybe shouldn't be watching or something i don't know i just i do remember feeling like 
eh, that didn't feel great. And it just, just because it was like maybe a bunch of dudes, like there yeah. was just like, well, there were so many things in the 80s and before where a bunch of guys acting in ways which I think are fairly reprehensible was just considered fun. Yeah. You know, yeah. the John Belushi looking at the pillow fight, peeking at girls in the locker room in Porky's, yeah. you know, that was just good, wholesome male fun. Right. You know, I mean, at least here you got you got that they were the underdogs. She was a not horrible great person. Guy. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Also, incest was big in the eighties. Apparently, kissing your sister, your mom, Back to the Future, <laughs> things like that. It's it was a weird time. The eighties were a weird time. Uh, you know, Leia and Luke. It was a weird time. A lot of stuff. <laughs> a lot um, of cocaine. A lot of cocaine. How a bunga. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. The incredible has happened. Even though it comes as no surprise to this commentator, the Indians have finished the regular season in a first place tie with the New York Yankees on the strength of a 4-2 win over the White Sox in Chicago today. We reveal that last piece of her to get to her pasties. This is, by the way, not that actress's body. It's her head on a different body. Um, <laughs> and that, that I, I take back everything I just said. <laughs> Okay, good. So it's cool. Then it's all cool. Now it's cool. And uh, we have uh, Doran's wife is watching the news, and they're at an away game, and we watch Roger Doran making out with a girl going into an elevator. Uh, we're on the bus, and Lou gives Ricky Vaughn the bad news that even though it's his slot in the rotation for the big playoff game with the, the Yankees, mm -hmm. they're going to give it to Harris because Vaughn traditionally hasn't done so well against those guys. And in a moment of showing his growth and maturity... Ricky Vaughn says, yeah, I guess what's best for the team, which I don't think he would have said at the beginning of this movie. Yeah. Well, because he's learned to trust Lou now and Lou's taking care of him and Lou's kind of helped. I mean, he's the one that suggested the glasses and that turned his season around. So, you know, he's built up a sense of trust and confidence in Lou so he can say that to him and, and mean it and mean it, which is what you wanted to get from that. But also, I think Lou's great when he says, don't read anything into it, Rick. You're one of the guys that got us here. That's the good manager thing. Yeah, to do. yeah. Make sure your player understands that they're very valuable to the team. By, by the way, this is a total. I know we have a long podcast here, but I've, why is the head of the baseball team called a manager, and in everywhere else, it's a coach? You mean like third base coach, first base coach? No, no, no. I mean you have a football coach, a basketball coach, but you have a baseball you got manager. A manager of the baseball mm. team. I don't know. I don't know because the uh, managers are uh, in the Premier League in football and soccer. It is mm. a manager. It is not a coach. It's a man. In the mm. U.S., it's a coach. Everywhere else, it's a manager. There's some 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 cinephile out there listening to us probably knows the linguistic explanation for the the distinction. Yeah. And Jake shows up at Lynn's apartment again, which is now empty. And we're at a hotel bar, and Ricky Vaughn is drinking, and an absolutely stunning woman walks in, and sits down and says, "You mind if I join you?" I don't chase ball players. Why don't you come over here and then? Because you are the sexiest man I have ever laid eyes on. And you look like you could use a friend. And there's a pause. And Ricky turns to the bartender and says, Check. Check, please. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're um, a very easy gender. We're a very easy gender. Just butter us up and we'll do anything. And also probably one of the first times check, please, was used. <laughs> yeah, yes, actually, probably true. So... <laughs> A couple of things about this. So, first of all, it take it took. I'm sure when I saw it the first time, it took me a while to realize that this is Roger Doran's wife. Yeah, because she Sexy. looks so different and she's mm -hmm. so stunning. That red this, dress, so good. Yeah. Here's my question: Does she really think that he is the sexiest man she's ever laid eyes on? No, I don't no. think so. 
that, Tom Berenger's. Her, her, uh, <laughs> it's Tom Berenger's. Clearly, it's Tom Berenger's. Yeah, sexy. I mean, sure. No, but that was that was her uh, tactic. That was yeah. she knows she knows she knows what she's doing. Well, I know that she knows what she's doing, and I know that it's her tactic. But I also think she chose that particular person on the team. Well, like, because Dorn has probably come home and bitched about that kid yeah. for so long, so it's the perfect Don't, guy. Well, I guess what I'm asking is, is she indulging in her own fantasy? Or is this purely revenge and not for her pleasure? I think nothing in the film has shown us that she has a thing for him, so it just feels like she's getting revenge with the one guy that's going to irritate Roger the most or piss Unless him off that's the, the guy, the reason Roger was so irritated with Vaughn in the first place was because he'd go home, complain about Roger, and then she'd be like, I don't know, I think he's kind of, I think he's fine. Or, right, you know. right. But we don't and see any of that, so we'd have yeah, to put yeah, that yeah. in ourselves. I, I agree there's no setup. I guess the reason I asked the question is mm. I kind of hope that she is indulging a fantasy. I hope, you know what I mean? Like she seems to be the put upon wife to some degree and her husband is philandering around and probably has done it multiple times before. I hope that this is fun for her, that she's, it's not just a plot. I guess that's my thought. Why? Why? Because I'm nice. Why not? Yeah. Because I because I think there's nothing wrong with a a woman going like, screw you. I'm going to do this and get back you because she's in control of the situation. Do you know what I'm saying? She's an older woman. He's a younger kid. She knows what she's doing, manipulating him into the situation so she can get revenge on Dorn. I mean, the way she walks out of that bedroom, uh, the way he walks out in the next morning, she's fully in control of her world. And then, oh, totally. when, she, and then when she walks in and kisses Roger, goes, I got one thing more to tell you. It's just powerful. I agree with everything you said, but to me, there's two scenarios. One scenario where she gets revenge, one yeah. scenario where she gets revenge and a great night of hot sex that she kind of really needed. And to me, I'd rather her have the latter. She gets both. I think that you can choose mm. that. And I think that's great mm. for you to choose that. In your mind, yeah. you're like, she had great, amazing sex. I think his dick was probably all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> Until he put the glasses on. When he put the glasses on, he, he got it right. Um, so he still has accuracy problems like, like over her leg like it was all over the place did she play wild thing while, while they're doing this she nope. it. no but I bet he did <laughs> no um, he did you know what what I just occurred to me is that uh to what you've been kind of uh saying the whole time here Steve of just like in terms of Jake of like Jake not changing and Jake mm. not you know several times we've heard about his um, extra, you know, curricular activities with other women and affairs and all that kind of stuff. The thing that of the show don't tell, we never see him anywhere near a woman. Yes, that's true. Now on purpose. Yep. And so he has changed right. in that way, right? Like he's, he could have, like she's with someone else and whatever, but he, there's not a scene in which he's yep. like hitting on someone or close to a woman at all. It's yep. all about leadership, baseball, and obsession with her in a stalking kind of way that's inappropriate <laughs> but i it did i think maybe that i mean that was the key right is like as long as we believed he was so deeply in love with her that the chain the real change was in seeing in his actions that he didn't have one night stands anymore oh, I, yeah. I get he did at the beginning but once he saw her and he was on the team he didn't at all yeah the, the, there's always a danger in, in saying, well, if I was making this movie, this is what I would have done. But I, I think that if you really wanted to sell the point that you just made, you, you would do one more thing, which is you would have the night where he was down and drunk or whatever, where he's in the Charlie Sheen position in this moment, and he is approached, and he's tempted, and he says no. Mm-hmm. If we saw that moment, then we'd go, oh, my God, he has really changed. Mm-hmm. It, like, th- like what we're having is a passive 
we don't see him do the bad behavior, but we don't see him refuse the bad behavior. If, there are just too I mean. many characters in the movie, Steve. No, I, I agree. I, again, it's not a. I don't think it's. I don't think it's a flaw in the film. I think it's one of those where if you watch it seven times and think about it a lot, you're like, "Well, wait." You know, it's like the glasses thing. It's like hmm. it works great, <laughs> yeah. but the more you think about it, you kind of maybe not. So anyway, the, the Roger's wife sleeping with Vaughn sets up a whole bunch of good stuff. It advances Vaughn's, it advances Dorn's character, advances his relationship with her. It is a cap. Maybe it's the final lesson on Roger Dorn for him to evolve in the way that he should. <laughs> it's the day of the big game. And dun, 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 dun. <laughs> by the way, the score in this movie is really good. Right, Kay? Like when, when they're pumping into the playing, like this whole sequence of the game, the score is is stellar throughout to get you in the feeling of the game and the tension yeah, of the game. For right? sure. Hello again, everybody. Harry Doyle bidding you a big Wahoo welcome from Municipal Stadium, where tonight, before a capacity crowd of 75,000 screaming featherheads, the fighting Braves of the Cuyahoga will leave their teepees in search of Cleveland's first league championship in over 30 years. Standing in the way, their longtime nemesis, the New York Yankees. Totally agree. And it's James Newton Howard. I should have said that a long time ago. Yes. I mean, this is, you know, the beginning of a very great career for him. Mm-hmm. And Jake, Jake has got to handle a lot of stuff right before this game. I don't know what Dorn's wife is up to, but I think it best if you get dressed out early and out to the bullpen before Dorn hits the clubhouse, okay? Hey, we got a big problem. Serrano wants some extra power for tonight. He's looking to sacrifice a live chicken. Dorn comes up to Jake looking for Vaughn. Like, there's a lot of stuff going on. He delivers a bucket of chicken to Serrano, which as soon as I saw it, I was like, I want fried chicken. (laughs) It it did look good. Good tension. Good tension going into this. Yeah. Um, And we have the big helicopter shot of right before the the game is going to start. And they did get one day where they put out a big, huge call to bring in a bunch of fans. And they didn't know how many people were going to show up. 27,000 people showed up. Wow. um, For this one day. But then everything else, they only have 200 extras. So if you see the really big crowd, that was shot on the 27,000 people day. If you see just a section of the crowd, that was just 200 people. They moved all over the stadium to be behind everyone for That's weeks. 27,000 people were so hot. It was so hot. And they were supposed to be in the fall. Yeah. You see like the extras and the players with long sleeves and the, everybody else is like shorts. and. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Bonnie, anything to add? Uh, He's not the best color man in the league for nothing, folks. And I think the moment of them running out in the field because everything's been so thin and they've been such a failure of a team for so long, it's so satisfying. You got our, like, diehards in the Native American outfits and the camera pulls back and they're surrounded by all these people. It's amazing to watch. Dennis Um, Haysbert said when he ran out, uh, for that scene, he got incredibly emotional, like overwhelmed with emotion, that feeling. Uh, and Steve Yeager, who is a, uh, uh, was a consultant on the film, said to him, that's the feeling 162 times a year. That's why wow. we love doing it. And it's like, yeah. Um, and by the way, if you stripped out all the comedy, this is a really good baseball movie. Hell yeah. And I think the way, particularly this last game is done, it's really, really well done. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see, you know, some of the game, we see Serrano striking out. We see Dorn making good plays. We see uh, Taylor throw a guy out at first. We mm-hmm. see um, Hayes pops up. G- great, great catch by Dorn with a body sacrifice. Serrano goes down again for the second time. Huge 
catch in slow motion of Wesley Snipes at the wall. Back goes Hayes, way back to the wall, jumps and makes a great catch! That looks like a real baseball player making an amazing, spectacular catch. Apparently, uh, Steve Yeager threw that ball, um, huh. but it's not a hit ball, but still, really great. Harris from the stretch is ready, and here he comes to Burton. He swings and drives one to right field. Uh-oh, this one is way back, way back. It is off the reservation, a home run, and the Yankees now lead two to nothing. And our owner is, says, That ought to shut these people up. It's bottom of the seventh. Uh, Jake is thrown out at first, and they say he's hobbling. He's limping. Because, again, we've established what's the problem with him, his knees. Yeah. His knees are the problem. And this is really his last season, in all likelihood. Dorn is up to bat, and he hits a base hit. Yeah. Sweet-sounding base hit, by the way. Sweet-sounding base hit. It's a nice yeah. base hit. And he swings and drives a base hit to left field. And now it's Serrano. Serrano hitless tonight. As a matter of fact, he hasn't touched the ball yet. And he swings, he misses. You should have gotten the live chicken. Another curveball, swings and misses. And now we get, I love this speech so much. <laughs> Fuck you, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> She's tough now, Look, I go to you. I stick up for you. You know, help me now. Fuck you, Jobu. I do it myself. This is the Conan scene. To hell with you, to hell with you, Crom. It's it's the same thing, juxtaposition. It's the same thing. And fuck you, Jobu. I do it myself. I know it's a funny moment, but it's also I'm letting go of superstition. I'm going to believe in myself and just be in the moment of doing this thing. And there's a push in on him. It's a great baseball moment. And he swings and hits this massive home run, which they say. And again, we know the legends of these making sports movies things. They say he actually hit that ball out of the park. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. And then he runs the bases holding the bat, which you're not supposed to do. It's 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 frowned upon, but it's not illegal. You I heard it's an, actually an automatic out, but, but you what? know much more than me. No, it's oh, not. Oh, no. Someone on one of the commentary tracks or said said that, but no. I, I, I believe you guys. We didn't talk about, I'm uh, sorry to jump from a different thing, but you know, just a bit outside was, I think, some improvised by... Mm-hmm. Um, Bob Uecker. But something I repeat all the time when uh, in my life since seeing the movie is too high. It's too high. <laughs> what does that even mean, too high? What does that mean? <laughs> the trajectory, no, the trajectory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, what? what? <laughs> Here's the pitch. Saslow hits a long drive. This one's going to get over Serrano's head and off the wall. Saslow in the second with a standing double. And the Yankees have runners at second and third as Harris is now beginning to show signs of fatigue. Shit. Um, and they decide to get Vaughn up in the bullpen to warm up. And Jake and Luke come to the mound. I'm throwing every piece of junk I can think of at him, Skipper. I got enough left for one more hitter. Nah, you pitched a hell of a game, man. Take a seat. We'll see if we can get this guy out for you. Give me Vaughn. I love this. I love the whole thing because I think it's so accurate. No pitcher ever wants to go. They no, always yeah. think they've got enough for one more. And the reaction from Jake. You want Vaughn? I know he hasn't done very well against this guy, but I got a hunch he's due. Lou's a great, great manager. Dude, yeah. James Gammon's a great, great actor. It's so perfect. And this moment in the movie is my favorite moment of the movie. It is so great. The wild thing entrance with the crowd, with the... And, and I know this sounds ridiculous, but I cry every time in this moment. Wow, really? And it's not because it's emotional, and it's not because it's, it's meaningful. It's because 
it's a beautifully crafted filmmaking moment. It's like a perfect moment for, in a movie wow. for me. Just wow. everything comes together perfectly. The evolution of this character, the evolution of this team, going from the fuck up to beloved, going from failing to succeeding, how the crowd has come behind them, and the music hits just right, and Charlie Sheen's performance of taking it in and being nervous, but also wanting to be there. And that, it's just great. It's a great moment. I hate this fucking song. Beautiful. It's how I, how I feel about, um, you know, the Bulls starting song that, you know, the, oh. and now you're da da da. put it in blockers because I just have that like oh that like <laughs> when I hear wild thing when it's like when the, the collective is all where everybody's just like feeling the same thing yeah that's what it just gets so emotional like it's just so emotional it's beautiful see I have a different emotion when he walks I'm like yeah hell yeah go get these motherfuckers like uh-huh. it's it's uh-huh. a badass feeling that when he walks out because Charlie is so dialed in and the oh, way yeah. they shoot it with the fa- the frame is badass you know he's full body it's not a close-up it's full body which means this warrior is coming uh, so I, I get like all stoked when it happens well it, i mean this is the one of the things about sports though is that the they do create communal moments mm-hmm. you know yeah. when you're in the stands and you're cheering for your team at the big moment this is the and you all are there together and yep. it, there's something i know i know i have i'm sure both of you have where you cheered yourself hoarse yeah you know, were you so, so about the movie is we know they're going to win. So you don't feel like you're wasting your life away by cheering on for someone. Yeah. You can enjoy the communal moment, you know, yeah. uh, like if my <laughs> husband is a big Patriots fan, if he thinks they're going to lose, like he, he waits to find out if they won or not before he decides to watch the game. <laughs> wait, wait, he, doesn't when... wanna, he doesn't want to waste precious time in his life. Like he'd rather be with our daughter or whatever, you know, like, yeah, uh, it's, he's not the best fan. He's not even, the <laughs> but that's what makes this so like fun is like, you're like, Oh, he's coming in We're we've all been on this journey together. We, we are all singing this song knowing he's going to come in and kill it. It's, it's a great moment. This guy's the out you've been waiting your whole life for. And just as he's starting to do his warm-up pitches and just getting ready to go, and then up walks Dorn. Oh, shit. (laughs) The third baseman comes over to see him, and there's a long pause and a reaction from Jake and a reaction from Vaughn, and then he finally says, Let's cut through the crap, Vaughn. I only got one thing to say to you. Strike this motherfucker out. Apparently, uh, Corbin Burnson did like 30 takes of this, and every single person working on the film liked a different take. (laughs) (laughs) And then up comes Haywood and Vaughn. I love that he turns away for a moment and then turns back into camera with the hit of the electric guitar. It's just great. And he shakes off a couple of signs from the catcher and then gets the number one, 
throws a great 97 mile per hour fastball. Uh, apparently, Charlie Sheen threw in the low 80s, mm-hmm. which is pretty good. Tucker was moving, wasn't it? If it hit you, leave a two foot hole coming out. Okay, what should we call now? Let's see what the kid feels about the old number one. <laughs> and I, this is the first time I went like, oh, the catcher is talking to the batter all the time. Like, why not? Hmm. That that's just part of the game. And another uh, swing and a miss. That one's 99 miles an hour. And Lou says, Get about the curveball, Ricky. Give him a heater. That's the, I use that one all the time. Give him the heater, Ricky. That's, I use it all the time. That's one of my favorite lines. Well, shit. All these pitches to choose from. Maybe we ought to try something different this time. Number one. And there's the slow motion delivery. Slow motion <laughs> chewing tobacco spit. Great build to the throw, swing and a miss at 101 miles an hour. Got him, swing! Euchre says to his partner, Can you believe this, Bobby? And he says, Nothing but takes a drink. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're down to the very end, and in comes the Duke, the big relief hitter, a relief pitcher. Um, oh, one thing I should have said before, most a lot of people think because of the wild thing entrance that Vaughn is a relief pitcher, but he's not. No, he's and a starting he, pitcher. Yeah. He's a starting pitcher. They use as a relief pitcher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And apparently that the whole culture of relief pitchers changed because of wild thing. Oh. You know, just the kinds of songs, the the mm-hmm. the level of mythos around relief pitchers. It just right. a, a lot of them say that goes back to wild thing. Well, Mitch Mitch Williams used it when he was a relief right. pitcher for the Phillies. He did that. I remember because you know I'm a closet Phillies fan, having been born in Philadelphia. So like I cheer for them whenever they're winning. And Mitch coming out to that song, I was just like, oh, it's so perfect. He had the long hair. It was he was a wild thing. It was great. And uh, this new pitcher is coming out, Duke. <laughs> the Euchre's description is... The Duke leads the league in saves, strikeouts per inning, and hit batsman. This guy threw at his own kid in a father-son game. <laughs> That's, I love that line. And Jake is up to bat. Uh, but wait, wait, Wesley's gotten on base off the old pitcher. Uh, that's right. Uh, so he's, he, that's why they bring in this Duke guy, because they want to uh, uh, end out the or close the inning. So it's yeah. right. Going somewhere, meet. About 90 feet. Huge lead, a ridiculous lead off of first uh, for Willie Mays Hayes. They try to throw him out, almost get him, and then great slow motion shot as he he does steal the base the next time. Here's the throw! Really, really good. And then, uh, and our owner is getting angrier and angrier. And Taylor, uh, Jake sends a signal out to Lou. And Lou says, That's a hell of an idea. Sends in the signal. Wesley Snipes gets the sign. And then we have a nice low angle shot of Tom Berenger as he as he points to the bleachers. Watch this. Taylor is pointing to the bleachers. He's calling his shot. Nobody's done this since Babe Ruth in the 32 World Series. <laughs> Great reaction from Lou when this happens. And what does Duke, the big relief pitcher, do? Throws right at Taylor's back. And he goes yeah. down. Back. That's cute. He threw it his head. He threw <laughs> it his head. head. Yeah. He threw it his back. I love that. I love Serrano. <laughs> Bring that shit to me, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Jake dusts himself off, gets up, and now at an even lower, more heroic angle, he points to the stands. Taylor's pointing again! The crowd is going nuts. People in the bars are going nuts. We see a guy with really good 80s, like, Flock Siegel's hair in the bar. (laughs) 
they're like punk guys, right? That yeah. aren't even supposed to be watching the game, right? <laughs> That's but the Indians have brought all of the community together as one. Yeah, <laughs> Taylor waits at the plate. The Duke at the belt. Hayes away from second. Here comes the one-one pitch. And just the slow motion build to this moment, and that he bunts. Taylor bunts. That is a brilliant sports movie idea Yep, for this to happen. And, of course, Wesley Snipes is running. The whole team goes, oh, shit, and is running in to get the ball. The the great slow-motion run of Tom Berenger that you could see the pain in the knees and him just putting everything he has into beating out this bunt to first. Wesley Snipes is rounding third. He's around third. He's going to try to score. And then they realize Wesley Snipes is stealing home. Here comes the throw. And the great, great slide. He slides! Past the base and just touches it. Save! Save! The Indians win it! The Indians win it! Oh my God! The Indians win it! By the way, uh, Wesley Snipes, his whole legs were just bruised and torn to shit because he had to slide over and over and over again in the shoot. And they made it do take after take after take, and he was in a lot of pain, and he was really angry. And David Ward was like, we needed to get the right shot which they do. It's a great looking slide into home. Yeah. And I love the umpire. That's a great cast for the umpire. Totally. Big burly dude with a mustache. This is perfect. Yeah. It's so nice to know that actually, Steve, what you just said, that he did shot after shot after shot, because mm-hmm. all of that is so great. Like seeing the pain of Jake Taylor, yeah. because like uh, Ward did this amazing thing of like, of, of this one, two, right. It was like, Oh my gosh, is Jake going to make it? Oh shit! And now is he gonna is is Willie Mays Hayes gonna make it at home? So it was like this this like one upmanship of suspense in a great way. We know they were gonna win, but the shot after he Willie Mays Hayes slides in and gets up, and they go out of slow mo, and mm-hmm. he sort of dances in place because he doesn't know what to do. He's like, who do I yeah. celebrate with? Yeah, yeah. But like that feeling, that look, that whatever is so realistic it is such a great shot it is something that like like that shot makes me cry because it's like like because then he eventually gets picked up by jake i think right yeah jake um and it's just so awesome It, it, it feels so real of just like that excitement when you win and i and i know we keep going back to the last dance but like watching those the first time the bulls won yeah the championship and how they jumped up and got excited. I always like, it doesn't even matter if it's a sport that I like or not. Like if I'm watching the championship of anything, (laughs) I'm always like, don't turn the TV off. I want to see the emotional, for me, it's the emotional journey after the win, you know? And I, I love watching, I could watch that for, you know, hours of just like people like in just soaking in that moment of winning. And so I think that that for, I don't know, I just like in rewatching it, just that Willie Mays Hayes moment of him, like kind of in place, like dancing in excitement from winning just felt like what a great shot. Like what a great moment. It just felt so real. I loved it. Well, I think that most of us don't get to have the most important moments of our lives. The moments that we've worked our entire lives for come together and dramatized in a single moment. Like, we don't yeah. get to have that, but we get to see it in moments like this when the team wins the championship. Mm-hmm. Like, that is yeah. everything, you know, coming together right then. Right. Um, 
And of course, everybody, so there's all sorts of great celebrations that go around. Um, like we have in the bar, like the baseball fan guy and the punk rocker guy. Hug. Yeah. And even have the moment of like, oh my God, I can't believe I hugged you. No, it's good. Let's hug. <laughs> um, you know, Harris runs to the, the crowd and who does he go to find? Serrano. Because, oh, and one thing I should have said, when Harris was warming up, who was helping him warm up? He had Joe Boo with him. Yeah, like, that's we right. see the distances these characters have gone. <laughs> Dorn runs up and hugs Vaughn, who's scared at that moment, and then he hugs him, and then he punches him, <laughs> and then he helps him up yeah. again. So we resolved that situation, and then Jake turns and sees Lynn in the in the stands, and she is holding up her hand with no ring, and we resolve that situation, and they go towards each other and they kiss, and they all hold up a number one, and we go into slow mo, and that is the ending of the movie, except. That what we've seen in this ending is our owner being furious with Charlie, who was celebrating, who gives her a big raspberry mm. and all of her reactions during the game of I hate this song and all oh, these got to shut these people up and all that stuff. That is all a reshoot mm -hmm. because in the original ending, she did not hate the team. She wanted them to win the whole movie, the whole getting these players and getting lure because she really did believe in them. And everything she did with being cheap and the bus and the plane and the whirlpool and the hot water was all done because she knew that was what would make her, them win. And she celebrated with them at the end of the movie. Yeah. No, that, that is so, that's what literally in my notes, I wrote down. Nope. <laughs> I never knew that. Yeah. I knew there was an alternate ending, but I didn't know what it was. And they went into test screenings and everyone was loving the movie until they get to this moment where the owner turns into a nice person and then everyone kind of dropped out. Yeah. And when it's they... A, it's a fuck you to the audience. It, it totally it, it, is. You know, you can't turn throw a sword right at the end like that because then you're like, well, then why was I cheer? Wait, what? I've been manipulated to cheer for this team? Well, fuck that. You, you make the audience mad. Well, and her choices are just so, I mean, the, everything she does is so ridiculous that this mm -hmm. is part of her Machiavellian plan to like not them, have them have warm water, you know, right, right. you know, it's it, well, and it also makes you feel weird about the mannequin where they're pulling things off of because she's really a right. good guy. Right. Like, and, and, and so they did this reshoot. It was in London because she was working on another movie. So they just flew to London, had a very, and all those little reshoots, they're just in one space. Mm -hmm. And then they go back and when they retested the film, it scored 15 points higher across the board with, oh the, with, with her. And it makes sense. That is yeah. totally, totally wrong. Yeah. Um, I have very little about Post. Uh, it debuted at number one in the box office. Um, and it has become like a, perennial favorite and is definitely beloved by baseball players mm -hmm. before we end i have a question for you Kay. if you were directed to direct a sports film what sport would you want it to be about um maybe because i'm circling something uh i think my answer would be basketball like ladies mm. basketball oh I, I i sort of feel like I, you know how much i love a league of their own you obviously mm. know how much i also love major league but i I also love Hoosiers and I, I don't know if I've ever seen like a female version mm. of that and women back in the day. Like if you know any kind of the history of basketball yeah. back in the day for ladies, like and their struggle and how they came to be, I feel like there's an interesting story in there. And do you mean yeah. professionally or do you mean college, like with Tennessee and UConn college. And, and yeah. Okay. And the lady volunteers, like all of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's great. Yeah. Great. Yeah. The Pat summit and all that, that they went on in Ariyama. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, there's like, there's just great stories around stuff, you know, like you couldn't be married and play. Wow. So there's like, there's, there were, there were some more real life stuff. Like there was real life stuff in a league of their own, obviously, but there right. there's like, there's like a little bit like harsher real life stuff. And, and like the first black player, female player to be on a team. I feel like that's a really interesting story. That's um, a great idea. So my answer would be, my answer would be basketball because I think I I just think there's like dynamic uh, visually I feel like it's it's a little bit more dynamic than yeah. than some some other sports. Well, if you ever if you ever make it, we will we will buy tickets and go see it. Oh. Of course, <laughs> at at a uh, social distance uh, situation. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right, however, right. however this works, <laughs> buy tickets. Are you kidding? I'm gonna try to work that junket. Are you kidding? Please. <laughs> now I goal. know that that we have like uh, John and I have have sung the song. We've joked around about the song. Yeah. But <laughs> I was like looking over the. I mean, I know the lyrics mm-hmm. getting mm-hmm. to end. It's one of those rare songs in this movie where there's a lot of lyrics like it keeps going. So, it and does. it kind of answers what you're saying, Steve, like where it basically tells the story of Jake where it's mm-hmm. just like, I woke up one day and realized I'd lost you. Yes. How silly I've been. I've made all these mistakes, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, is there a chance to pick up the pieces and try for it all again? <laughs> yes. Sometimes you get so busy running in circles and I've changed, you know, like, there's you look around and there's no one there and it's like can we possibly do this i mean it goes verse by verse by verse and then there's a bridge you think the song's over and there's, there's a, a you bridge. knew me better than i knew myself like, another yeah. verse after that yeah yeah you knew me better than i knew myself somehow you always knew there'd come a day i'd put my toys away so is it's sort of like like any of that the question of like he's an asshole she shouldn't be with them i mean this song is just basically going like this is are the these are the scenes we did not (laughs) (laughs) this is like the subtext that we're like putting out there uh not so much subtext you know i was a fool traveling so far only to find that home is where you are yeah that's the end of the song by the way that's the last couple of lyrics uh what's the song written for this movie yeah I think so. I think it has to have been. Yeah. I, mean, yeah. I have no idea. Because at this time, this was Bill. This is kind of what brought Bill back, right? was the uh, uh, Time of Your Life song from Dirty Dancing, because they had used the ghosts of the Unrighteous Mel, right, uh, on whatever it is, in, in uh, Ghost in 1990. Mm. But in between, you have this Major League movie and that song, yeah. Most of All You, which not a lot of people know. Not a lot of people really know that song. So it's like a little jewel for those of us who do, because it's a yeah. if it hooks you, that song will forever stay with you if it hooks you. Uh, you know, we've kind of gotten to final thoughts, and I will give my final thoughts first. Mm. The the thing that I just want to point out, and it's funny because we, we we did Silverado really recently, and Silverado is also a fairly light, fun movie that's beautifully, beautifully constructed with great plants and payoffs. And this is the same thing, I think, is that to to what Kay said a long time ago is that comedy is really hard. And what this is, I think this is a perfectly structured baseball movie with great sports payoffs that then you've layered a whole bunch of really, really funny stuff on top of. <laughs> and so if you just delivered a really good baseball movie with good sports payoffs, I would have liked this film. And the fact that you do it with you know, all of the comedy, I think 
it, it, it just is so enjoyable. It is a very sweet movie. It is a very, very fun movie. It gives me a great emotional reaction for all of the climactic moments with Wesley Snipes stealing bases and Serrano hitting the curveball and Jake with the bunt and the chorus wild thing coming off to, to, to strike out the big Yankee. Yeah. Every single button is pushed properly. And I, you know, I could watch this all the time. Uh, John, you want to go next? Yeah, sure. Uh, listen, this is a this is a quintessential baseball movie, and I know we talk about Field of Dreams or The Natural or uh, all these other films that make you feel all warm and fuzzy inside. But this does that, but it also shows you uh, the camaraderie of, of of dudes on a baseball team: the ball busting, the jokes, uh, the occasional lines that are crossed. Uh, you know, the cheating, which does happen, for God's sakes. All of that is involved in this movie. Uh, and then you have a really great villain to cheer against. Margaret Witt does such a great job bringing that character to life. And you you just gravitate to all these dudes because they all have a separate story to tell as underdogs, right? One's political asylum. One's a guy in jail. One's a, a dude who's so rich he's gotten too pampered, too soft. He forgot what it was like to be an athlete. Another guy's trying to have one last good season. And another guy is just trying to get seen so he can have a career because he loves the sport of baseball and however he can do it he will find his way to do it and then overall the city of cleveland and the baseball team at the time the cleveland indians was a laughing stock for years for decades and so all of it coming together to make it work in this way and every single moment in this movie aside from maybe for me the chicken moment we should have got a live chicken is genuinely perfect like they're all genuine in their delivery and in the storyline so it's a film that you can savor over and over again for the baseball but you can savor it even more for the actual emotional storylines uh, and through lines that are happening for all the characters and their journeys and that relationship between Jake and Lynn, their journey as well. So it all just hooks you in. And it's just a beautiful movie that too many people dismiss as just a foul mouth, fun take on baseball. It's actually got way more heart than uh, some than a lot of other sports movies you might encounter in your life. Okay, what are your final thoughts on Major League? Well, um, my final thoughts are these. Um, <laughs> uh, I I think it's a I think it's very difficult to make a great comedy, and this is a great comedy. I think it's really difficult to make a great sports movie, and this is a great sports movie. So the fact that that it's a both great comedy sports movie to me is like goes into the Hall of Fame of movie making. I think because to be all these years later, I didn't have to rewatch the movie. Like I had. I remember it so well that from, you know, even though I've, I've seen it a dozen, you know, a dozen times, but it's been a long time since I've last seen it. And I just didn't have to, because I could remember when you can remember catchphrases and characters names, I knew his name was Jake Taylor. Like if you're remembering first and last names of characters, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, all these years later on a comedy on some, on a rated R comedy, um, it was rated R, yeah, because yeah. of all the the f bombs, I'm sure. Um, but I, I I just feel like it, it's special because it it it's this quintessential comedy. It's a quintessential sports movie, and it's also um, emotional. Mm-hmm. And um and then I think I, I I don't think it ages amazingly uh, in terms of um, maybe you know just the fact that you know it's the Cleveland Indians. But it's not bad, right? Like you don't look about it and you don't you don't like you don't get grossed out 
too much. You care more about what their relationships were, their interpersonal relationships, their dynamics to each other. And this idea of team and coming together and winning, winning when somebody wants you to lose. That's like the biggest underdog story of all time. And um, so it'll always hold a special place in my heart. I love it so much. Mm. So that's what we think of Major League. Of course, we always want to hear what you think. Visit us on our Facebook page. Just do a search for The Cinephiles. Please subscribe to the show if you haven't already on iTunes or YouTube, Stitcher or Spotify. Please leave reviews on iTunes. Every single review helps. It helps people find the show and it helps us keep the show going. If you want to support the show, you can do it on patreon.com slash The Cinephiles. If you want to buy or stream Major League or any other movie we've ever reviewed, you can do it on cinephiles.net. And you can reach the show on Twitter at cine underscore files and Instagram at the cinephiles podcast. You can reach me on Twitter at SR Morris and me on Instagram at SR Morris one. John, how can people reach you? You can always reach me at the Roca says on Twitter and on Instagram. Please go and follow me there, but also please subscribe to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the outlaw nation crossed over 13,000 subscribers marching towards 15 come aboard so much content on there film television sports pro wrestling entertainment uh and soon a new star wars show will be dropping on there as well so come aboard the outlaw nation and help us grow uh as we uh, go forward and k if people wanted to reach you on the world of social media how would they go about doing that just go to at kk cannon k-a-y-k-a-y cannon um Kay, once again, it's been such a pleasure having you on the show. Yes. Um, it's a little different this time because we're doing it remotely, but uh, anytime you have another movie you want to talk about, just let us know because it's great to have you on the Cinephiles. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, and Thanks, I think we, we will see you next time with another great film on our next episode of The Cinephiles. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C.